Welcome to another inspirational episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm Wayne Lee, motivational speaker and hypnotist. What I do up on stage as a hypnotist to get people to perform is the same thing that people do to themselves to get themselves to be productive. So I teach people how to overcome the fears and limitations and inhibitions to get more of what they want in life. Monetizing Your Creativity asks the question, what does it take to earn a living with your creative talents? You gotta do it so many times that you know what works, what doesn't, and you get better at it. So I've honed in my craft over all those years where now I can command a considerable price, but at first it was building that up. We focus on the success principles common to all disciplines by interviewing producers, directors, writers, actors, cinematographers, music composers, animators, designers, and much, much more. Learn how to create your own path to success. Let's roll. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Monetizing Your Creativity. I'm your host, Marvin Polis. Not joining me this time is your co-host, Fred Keating. I'm in Edmonton, Canada, while Fred is somewhere wrangling some more interviews for our podcast. Well, like I said, I'm in Edmonton. Why Edmonton? Well, Edmonton is a large city in Canada. We love Edmonton. There's this kind of triangle in Western Canada, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver, and there are so many creative people earning a great living in these three cities that we really like to interview people here. And well, that's why I'm in Edmonton. This time we have our special guest, and his name is Wayne Lee. He's a motivational speaker and a corporate hypnotist of all things. Wayne, you just have to tell me what that's all about. Well, for sure. People primarily hire me, corporations, associations, to entertain them. The avenue that I use is uh, hypnosis. So very intriguing, sometimes scary, and it also is very educational, and that's where the uh, motivational part comes in, is to teach people how what I do up on stage as a hypnotist to get people to perform is the same thing that people do to themselves to get themselves to perform, to be productive, but also the catch is to stop themselves. So I teach people how to overcome the fears and limitations and inhibitions to get more of what they want in life. And I certainly want to return to those thoughts in a moment, but first I really have to ask you, where do you learn to become a hypnotist? Oh, it's a great question. Now, I learned on my own, so I was self-taught. Uh, it was back in the early 90s. Before I was doing this, I was a school teacher, so had no idea that I'd be doing this, but I was always intrigued with the power of the mind and how we could produce success and psychology. And so one night I was out at a nightclub with my girlfriend watching a hypnosis show, and it blew my mind. People were doing some pretty funny things up on stage. I was not necessarily a believer, but it wasn't until the hypnotist gave a suggestion where everybody thought they'd lost their belly buttons that I became a believer in whatever this stuff was, because all these people were going out into the audience looking for their belly buttons, and then I turn and look at my girlfriend who is right beside me. I'm laughing my head off. She's not saying a word. And there she was looking for her belly button. So she got hypnotized in the audience. I instantly became a believer. In fact, to be quite honest, I thought to myself, I want to learn how to do this. (laughs) knowing the great power. Uh, So there I was intrigued. I read every book I could. It was in the early 90s. So there was no such thing as the internet. We couldn't Google at the time. So I was just obsessed with whatever was going on stage. And as I was teaching, I had a perfect bridge to find out, learn, while I was at least got some sort of income. And uh, on the side, this became a hobby. The hobby grew into a career. I talked to the experts, so that was a big thing of learning how to do it. And then eventually I did take courses, but initially the first few years, it was just diving into all the information that was out there and then talking to the experts and then really learning what hypnosis is, which... 
you know, I can share with you in terms of the secrets behind it. Fantastic. So why don't you do that very briefly? Tell me what are some of the secrets behind being a good hypnotist? Sure. Well, there's a difference between being a hypnotherapist and a stage hypnotist. So being a hypnotherapist, primarily they're going to be working one-on-one with people to overcome fears, phobias, achieve goals, certain things like that. As a stage hypnotist, not only do you have to learn hypnosis and know how to persuade people, you also have to be an entertainer. You have to captivate people. So ultimately you got to almost hypnotize the audience and then hypnotize the people that come up on stage. So there's a few more dynamics, not saying that the hypnotherapy isn't tough. I mean, there's amazing skill sets that go into listening to people, identifying what their challenges are, and then using hypnosis to help overcome those particular problems, challenges. For me, I've been doing the entertainment for years, but I've always wanted to educate. There's always a message of teaching people what hypnosis is and really how it's what we're doing to ourselves all day long by the thoughts that we're having, which are primarily controlled by our subconscious in terms of how we're giving ourselves suggestions that really run the show. Okay, so you decided one day, actually one evening, that you wanted to become a hypnotist, and then you actually put the effort in learning how to do it. I'm guessing that somewhere along the way, you were asking yourself, okay, great, but how am I going to earn a living with this? Without a doubt. Again, I was fortunate enough to be a school teacher. So I didn't have the pressure of just, oh, I got to make money at this. But what I found out is that because I loved it so much and I was doing it for free, that there was a point in time where people started to pay me for it. I didn't have a grand plan or a scheme to go, how am I going to make money at it? The passion was first. And I also knew that that was key to anything I did in life. You know, one of the things that I, I really love to do is amateur wrestling. And people might be saying, how does that have anything to do with what we're talking about right now? Well, it has everything to do with what we're talking about right now because it gave me a sense of loving something so much that later on in life, I'd need to have that same passion for whatever I did. That was a commitment that I made. And then down the road, getting into this hypnosis and loving it so much, I just knew that when I got out on stage and I was doing it, that there was something within me that I could make it my career. And so the money came afterwards and then it eventually it became part of reaching out to people, which we call sales and marketing and getting money for it. But the transition then came a year after I was in teaching, doing this, that I was starting to book stuff. Then I had to really start to plan out, well, how am I going to make a living at this? Did it grow primarily organically then as a result of word of mouth? It sure did. But it wasn't just me doing something and then sitting and waiting, it was me being active. It was talking to all the nightclubs. A story, and this is kind of a specific story of how this all happened, is I was at the Sidetrack Cafe back here in Edmonton, which a lot of people know if they're in Edmonton, and I approached them. You know, it wasn't them coming to me, and I set up a meeting to have lunch, and I said, hey, I'm a hypnotist, which really I'd never done a show before, like in terms of a big show, and I said, I could do your variety night, and they let me do it. So I did the variety night. My first show, I started off with some magic because I did magic as a hobby and I really didn't get much of a response. So I was like dying on stage in the sense of, oh my goodness, are they going to laugh? I took a break and then I came back and I did the hypnosis show because I had so many volunteers. It worked and it worked really well, but I was really raw and unpolished. And after that, they got me back. They got me back. And in the crowd one night was a guy named Bill Medic, who at the time was the general manager for Yuck Yucks. And he came up to me and said, Wayne, here's my card. Would you like to do our staff Christmas party? I looked at his card. I said, uh, you bet. <laughs> so that Christmas party led me into actually doing the longest running hypnosis show at a comedy club in Canada. And from there, a guy named John Harms was in the audience watching me and he came up to me and he says, Wayne, would you like to do 
K-Days. I said, sure. And just so that everybody knows, K-Days, formerly known as Klondike Days, is the annual fair here in Edmonton. You betcha. It's the big expo. And so, you know, 10 days and me starting out doing the night show or the adult show, which really they never had before. Then eventually I replaced the main stage hypnotist and then did the night show and it skyrocketed. So that is proof that when people had seen me, they got a taste of it. They wanted it. And then it spread like wildfire, but it wasn't just because I was out there waiting. I was very active. And a lot of those first shows I was doing for nothing. Like I was doing those shows for drink tabs in the bar where at the end of the night I owed them more money. (laughs) So you could imagine, but I loved it. It was a labor of love. It was wonderful. And then eventually it was building that value, polishing the show. And there's nothing that replaces what I call stage time. I've failed. I've made mistakes. I've looked at what works, what didn't work to get to the point that I'm in now where I'll tell people what's the secret to it. Well, first you got to love it. You got to have passion, but then you got to have stage time. You got to do it so many times that you know what works, what doesn't, and you get better at it. And you don't even think about it. You know, you can go on there on stage, no matter what it is. And if people are looking at, well, I'm not on a stage where well, you're always on a stage, whether it's in your office, whether it's uh, working somewhere, that's your stage. It's, it's the experience that you bring to the table and experience that you're doing. So I've honed in my craft over all those years where now I can command a considerable price but at first it was building that up now speaking of building that up how did you break into the corporate market because i understand that's a big aspect of your business it is and it's primarily the one i focus on right now in addition to a few other things but i'll tell you about that in a a bit organically it happened what happened is typically in my industry the entertainment industry there is a time period where people want you for shows and these are the christmas party shows so companies would see me maybe at yuck yucks or there'd be individuals And they'd say, we'd hire you for our Christmas staff party. Out of that, then people would see me and then they would hire me for their conventions or their corporate conferences. And so it happened out of that. Then I got more serious about, hmm, who are the people that are already doing what I want to do and studying how they're doing it? So it's looking at mentors and models and studying people. And eventually that led me into the association, which I now belong to, which is CAPS, the Canadian Association of Professional Speakers. And the um, affiliate is the National Speakers Association in the States. And so I really learned from a lot of people, not entertainers, but speakers, how to become more of a keynote speaker, how to become a trainer, how to marry what I do right now with my entertainment. And not so much just how to do that, but how to do it in such a way where I've positioned myself with entertainment with a message and and really playing on that. Well said. Now, for people who are in this business of professional speaking, motivational speaking, even as it takes more creative forms like hypnotism and magic, what is the prize here? What can one expect if you get traction in terms of how many bookings in a year? It is limitless in the sense, but it's also, I think people need to ask the question, what type of lifestyle do you want? There was a time I was doing 300 shows a year. Now people may say, oh, how did you ever do that? I did it because I wanted to. I mean, I was doing all the fair shows, three shows a day. Uh, there was a summer where I pretty much didn't have any time off. And then I would do corporate shows. I do nightclubs. I did, you name it, whatever. And then it came to, what's my lifestyle? Like I've done that. I've, I've kind of put in my time. Some people call it paying the price. And it all equates to that stage time built up to now. And now I'd like to do 60 events per year. I would like to have a certain income. I'd like to be able to monetize my message and get it out there in such a way where I can reach millions, but not have to be at every event. 
And then I've got a couple young kids and a wife where that's what I want to focus on. That's a big priority now. So it's being able to create my ideal lifestyle. Now, getting back to the bookings, it is limitless if you are great. Not just good, but you have to be great, especially in the corporate field, because they'll be willing to pay 10, 20 grand because it's not about the price. It's about they need somebody that's going to blow them away. That's going to make that organizer and that event planner look amazing and something they'll talk about for years. So it's worth the investment. And often to help make a cultural shift within the organization. Exactly. It's really something where sometimes the people that are even putting on these events don't even know what they're looking for or why they're getting somebody. So if they get somebody like me, I know that if they want something exciting, fun, energizing, motivating, great. Now, if they want some lasting change, my question is, how does that happen in 60 minutes? or 90 minutes. I don't usually think it does. You may inspire people, you may educate people, but real lasting change comes from those individuals already that then take the materials and then start applying it and the discipline. So I think people are living in a bit of an illusion if they think they're going to hire somebody and they change the organization. It doesn't happen. But if they get somebody like me in where I can do 90 minutes, 60 minutes, and then have a follow-up program and then do some consulting and do some coaching, that's where change happens. Well, that makes perfect sense. Now, backing up a bit, you mentioned that you have put some bookends around the number of live performances that you do in a year. But back in the days when you were doing many, many more, you actually, I would suppose, did a lot of traveling. So this might be the sort of thing that would be appealing for somebody who does like to travel. Oh, without a doubt. I mean, I still love to travel. I mean, I have an acronym for travel to release adventure, vividly experience life. I think traveling is a spice of life. It really is. Now here's the but in context to what you want. I've done the motels where <laughs> there's boop on the ground. <laughs> and I laughed at that stuff. And I have a funny story about that, about my first girlfriend, like that came on the road where she's crying because there's poop on the, on the floor in this motel. And I'm laughing. She goes, why are you laughing? I go, well, it only gets better from here on in. <laughs> and it, there's some, there's truth to that in the sense that all this traveling now is amazing in terms of the hotels I stay in, the cruise ships, all that stuff. But the cool thing is that you get to limit it. But if you're a person that just, you know, wants to go out there and travel, this is a great opportunity. Sometimes people don't see the back end of that is that sometimes the traveling can be very taxing. And so it really depends on what people want. I do know that people ask me, Hey, do you do cruise ships? That would be great. I said, I don't do cruise ships. It's not my lifestyle anymore. I wouldn't want to do it right now. Maybe back in the day, sure. So it all depends on fitting the lifestyle. Yes, the traveling opportunity is there. In fact, there are some people who might love doing cruise ships. Exactly. Yeah, like doing cruise ships. I get asked by people of that because it fits perfectly their lifestyle. So I'm like, yeah, that's exciting. You know, we're coming up on time. Is there anything else you want to say before we wrap? I will say is that you got to follow your heart. Like if people want to be an entertainer, great. But they shouldn't be an entertainer because their mom and dad are doing it. If that fits into following their heart, great. I know it, it sounds so simple, yet people forget about it. Fantastic. So would you care to elaborate? We'll come back for another episode. That sounds great. I'd love to. Thanks for tuning in to Monetizing Your Creativity. Be sure to join us next time by subscribing to us on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. While you're there, please leave a review. It helps us with our ratings. You can also visit monetizingyourcreativity.com for more information about the show. And hey, be sure to tell your friends who want to understand how to monetize their creativity.